So joining me today is Stephen Slough, Chief Digital Information Officer, CDIO for Dorset ICS. Prior to joining the NHS in 2016, Stephen spent over 22 years and a bit, I believe, working for Siemens, which we'll hear more about later on in the podcast. Uh, in the NHS, he has held uh, CIO roles for various organisations in Dorset ICS, including Dorset CCG, Dorset Healthcare, and Dorset County Hospital. And I believe this has given Stephen the opportunity to really understand the differences and similarities in delivering services to staff and patients across primary care, community, mental health services, and into the acute care setting. Stephen is also an experienced digital leader who is really passionate about using innovation and technology to transform the ways of working, balancing the desire to bring around change with sustainable high quality services that go way beyond the expected. So welcome, Stephen. Uh, we are delighted to have you join AMX Speaker podcast. Thanks very much, John. Brilliant. So Stephen, on to the most important question we have for all our, our guests on Fika is Fika's about coffee to cake with friends. What would be your preference to your coffee and what would be your favourite cake? Good questions to start with. So uh, in the morning, coffee, because you need it. Um, yeah. And in the afternoon, tea, because you don't need quite as much of a hit on, on caffeine anymore. Uh, and as regards favourite cake? Yeah. That's cake. Cake, yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> you Fantastic. can't pick out one from something like that, can you really? Yeah, no, choices. There's too much choices and they're all spoiled yeah. with that. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for sharing. And I believe Figo was, is not a new phenomenon for you. you you're, in, you're in Finland, wasn't it? Yes, I was lucky in uh, the teams I worked with at Siemens uh, across Scandinavia. So the the team in particular in in Sweden um, at our office in Umeå was um, really a strong cultural element of the day. Every day, Fika break was taken, sort of half 10, 11 o'clock. Colleagues all got together, tea and cake and, and little chat about work, more just chat about life and what they're all facing and things that were going on. But it was really strong, really strong cultural thing uh, and really built a good team. It was lovely. Okay. Great experience. Yeah. So we should think about taking up with the NHS. Oh, fantastic. I think so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, Steve, just uh, first question, I think, I believe looking at your, your, your bio as well, you're a fellow leading practitioner with FedIP and also a chartered fellow of a BCS and also certified healthcare CIO with Chime, which are great organisations. And just Bearing you know, with that in mind, they're, they're, they're sort of great achievements in their own right as well. It'd be great to explore how you kind of got there for our listeners and just talk us a bit about your career journey to date. Um, any key insights you've picked up along the way and any advice for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So um, it's interesting. Lots of those qualifications have become more relevant since joining the NHS because I, I think you're in a, a culture and an environment then where Clinically, the expectation is lots of training has taken place, lots of qualifications are held to demonstrate your standing and your um, experience and capability. And then I, I think, therefore, it's important for our profession the, in digital and technology to be able to do the same. Uh, and I think the organisations there, FedIP, the BCS and Chime, provide us some of those opportunities to prove our expertise and our experience in an environment where that's really highly regarded. So I was never academic at school. Uh, I didn't do a degree. I didn't go to university. I went straight on to an apprenticeship at, at Siemens, straight from my A-levels, and spent two years touring all the different departments, learning how the organisation worked, understanding its culture, um, and really just lapping up what the business world and was all about. Uh, and already started to learn then how different teams and different leaders can impact what you do. So some departments I spent my my placement at for three months 
sorting the post a couple of times a day, making the tea, you know, doing those sorts of things, right the way up to being part of a team doing an internal audit and and then everything that ran in between. So really great opportunity and a really good scheme. So, and even now today, I'm a big supporter of apprenticeship schemes and grad schemes um, and I really support giving people the opportunity to get their foot on the ladder because it's, it's awesome, it certainly helped me. Uh, I did sort of progress out of the, the training scheme to become a, a finance uh, officer uh, working in the power station space. And that was great. It was good fun. Uh, lots of interesting uh, processes to learn and some great people. Uh, but it did strike me as it was the same thing day in, day out. At the end of one month end, you were already getting ready because at the end of the next month was another month end. Um, and so it was a little bit too predictable, I guess, in in that uh, way. So uh, they were recruiting for their SAP team at the time for a big national rollout in the UK. And I joined that and helped to configure lots of bits uh, on the system prior to its go live, including taking the uh, taking it from not being able to print at all to being able to print fully um, all of the documentation from the system in six weeks just prior to its go live. So that was my real soak test, if you like, in technology um, and loved it. So I did loads of things then in the SAP team, moved systems, led all the technical side of it, learned some coding and programming and all that kind of stuff, um, helped to move the system over to a data center in, in Germany out of the UK, and then really ran on from there, joined the first CIO office in Siemens in the UK. So I was the first employee into that after the CIO himself. I did various strategy pieces there for him, then moved into the service side, uh, providing digital services inside of Siemens to itself, from itself, if you like, starting in, in the UK, then moving into Northwest Europe, um, and then into the, to all of Europe uh, uh, on some services, and then stepped into financial services, Siemens financial services for my last um part of the organization to work in and ended up leading services for them uh, again across northwest europe and then laterally into the rest of europe and asia and russia as well and that was that was awesome and again met some phenomenal people and exposure to all the cultures uh, and the personalities uh, was fantastic loads of loads of flying which yeah. um, earned me a, a, a massive dvt in 2013, which sort of brought a, a bit of a shuddering halt to that development uh, of my career within Siemens because um, of the impact that had then on comfort of travel because um, they hurt a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, it's made it all quite uncomfortable. So I was really keen to continue, though, in, in technology. It was become a real passion. Um, and I was really fortunate when a, a CIO role came up in the NHS locally where we live in Dorset, which gave me the opportunity to then do what I really liked doing in a different organisation. Um, and I still miss some of the colleagues and the friends that I, I met and earned over my time at Siemens. But to do the work that I enjoy doing and then actually to be able to put back into society what I'd taken, essentially. So primary care in Dorset, uh, the mental health services in Dorset, 
and the, the hospital, one of our two acute hospitals now in Dorset, were involved in stabilising my condition and are involved still in the ongoing treatment of it today. So I can now put back my professional skill to support them in the delivery and the improvement of the services that we have here. And it was great. So I started working at the, the CCG in 2016. Um, I think I've been about four four months into the into the role and was asked to pick up the digital transformation of Dorset uh, as part of the sustainability and transformation plans that were taking shape at the time. And about 12 months after that, to pick up the CIO role at Dorset Healthcare, our community and mental health trust. And about 12 months after that, the CIO at Dorset County Hospital. So at one point, I was looking after primary care, community mental health, and one of our acute hospitals. Uh, and the similarities were great. They were always there throughout uh, the different teams and the different organisations, um, but also the differences of each of the care settings and the, the geographic spread of some uh, specificity and um, clear focus on, on others. So it was great, really good opportunity to learn fast how the NHS worked and didn't, uh, and then try to use um, the positions I had to try to, to try to help improve that. And then I guess finally, ICBs have now come along the integrated care boards. Um, Dorset, I'm really pleased that Dorset um, has put a digital role on its ICB. So uh, the Chief Digital Information Officer role is there. Uh, and I'm really pleased to have been successful in, in picking up that role which I'm now hoping gives me the opportunity to do even more to help my colleagues and to help our population improve care and outcomes through the use of digital and technology. Fantastic. It's like it was all planned, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? It, it is. It, it wasn't. Yeah. All happy accident. It was. Yeah. Fantastic. No, thanks for sharing that amazing journey with us. And, you know, DVD, uh, something throws up, then other opportunities appear. But no, thanks for sharing those insights with, with us. And, uh, Really, really fascinating. And I understand also, you know, from your perspective, you're, you're a very innovative individual and Dorset is a very innovative ICS as such. Um, and I understand you've developed something called the Dorset Intelligence Insights Service. I think in short, it's called the DICE. And I just wondered if you'd be able to share just for our listeners who are analysts on the call, um, what's the ambition of the, of the DICE and how are you using it specifically to support, I suppose, population health analytics across your economy? Yeah, sure. So, um, having come from financial services, lastly at Siemens, data is everything. That's where that's where you get the insights and the intelligence for your market, uh, and you understand uh, how you're operating. We weren't using data in the same way yeah. in the NHS, at least when that that was the impression I had when I started. Um, it was being used to justify payment by results, and so on and so on. And we were lucky in Dorset to be a Wave One ICS which gave us um, sort of that fixed financial envelope for, for the system to operate in, which meant that data no longer held that financial uh, power. So the, the genuine gold of using the data to get more money, to get more gold, mm -hmm. went away. The different gold that was locked away in that data was around how people were responding to treatment, who our population really are, and how they're responding to the care, the treatment or not, that we're trying to give them. 
Um, so I was really keen that we started to use data in a different way yeah. to draw out those insights, to get that intelligence and move it on up the, uh, the scale into wisdom, that we can use it to improve people's lives and their outcomes. Um, and we we started that off very early on, got some really good clinical engagement and clinical support from a, from a couple of people um, who got behind it, helped us have those conversations with other clinicians and draw them in. And the result of that today is a centralized data warehouse hosted in Azure with a Power BI front end uh, that takes all feeds from primary care. So I've got full primary care data set in there from mental health, from community, from both of our local authorities, from both of our acute hospitals. Uh, and we're in conversations then with the local fire service and the police service about data uh, feeds from them as well, and the voluntary sector too. And the difference this now means is that that data are all nicely pseudonymized mm -hmm. in there, enables us to analyze our population, to look for trends in health, or illness uh, and efficacy of treatment or not, geographical differences in treatment, whether people are rural or urban and how that's uh, impacting their life, their lives, their livelihood and the outcomes of their care and look for those patterns and mm. support them either by changing how we're delivering the care or coming up with new ways to deliver the care full stop and track the, the improvements and the benefits that they bring. And we're now able to use that. It's, it is the key behind our population health management, mm -hmm. all of our PHM work. Uh, it's used actively by clinicians to look for trends in the care they're delivering. If they then spot something which is of concern in a cohort of patients they've been looking at, yeah. uh, through a secured process the identity of the patient can be revealed back into primary care only and then action can be taken to support that patient uh, or either through a change of care joining a different pathway or just a conversation about lifestyle choices perhaps wow, <laughs> which also works so and we, yeah. we're using it we used it extensively for our covid response more recently it shaped and impacted how we dealt with the vaccine deployment, targeting specific cohorts of patients um, from particular demographics, for example. So it's it's hugely uh, beneficial to our system. And I want to grow up more. I want to add in machine learning and artificial intelligence and get into more predictive analytics rather than reactive reporting analytics. And it's won a few awards along the way. So we must be getting something right, which is great. And it's a huge kudos to the team for what they've been able to achieve. Indeed, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I just think about bringing all those um, data sets together. And I dare say that within the economy, because you mentioned the things that the voluntary sector, you've got acute data and, and mental health. Have you brought your, your analytical team together as well? Because I imagine you've got analysts in different parts of your economy. Have they been brought together? And, and are they all able to see the same sort of view of that information? So they aren't all able to see this. Uh, sorry, they are all yep. able to see the same information. Uh, yep. We haven't pulled them together um, organisationally. We've pulled them together virtually. So they're all part of a, a community of interest yep. uh, and uh, work together and support each other. The team have recently expanded that community of interest across Wessex into, into our colleagues in, in Hampshire. And they run a few sessions now uh, across our region in the southwest as well, where we're, we're trying to draw in more people so we can 
for sure show what we've done, how we've gone about it and support other people, but also that we can learn from them because there's some other really good stuff out there others are doing uh, and we can improve what we have here through that learning process. That's also giving it that fuel for growth and sort of like adopting yeah. machine learning other stuff as well. Fantastic. Oh, what an amazing innovation. And it was interesting when we, we, we spoke last, you mentioned as well that when you, I think, landed on the patch research, you mentioned the first thing was obviously to set the task, developing a digital strategy. And you said as well that, you know, some years along now, your digital strategy is, is holding, which I thought was really interesting. You know, for, I was just thinking about from your experience that you've had with industry, working with Siemens and that, what's helped you craft that digital strategy to make sure it had that sustainability about it that helped the NHS? Um. I think it's been it's been being suitably ambitious, but not being ridiculously ambitious and not shooting yeah. for the moon. Um, we've got some incredible people in our in our team uh, who are very capable, <clears throat> and I'm no I'm no doubt if we were to shoot for the moon, we could probably <laughs> probably get there. But uh, we don't get the time, we don't have the the capacity, and we don't have the funding to be able to do that. So I remember being sat quite early on in one of our clinical meetings talking about all the great things that we could do with technology, uh, watching certain clinicians' eyes roll and being told that, you know, whilst it still took them 15 minutes to start their laptop, there was nowhere they could engage with anything more uh, exciting, uh, which was a bit of a, a realisation that we were doing some good stuff, we weren't getting the basics right. So we we set out very clearly in the, the strategy, certain pillars of it, to focus on getting those basic bits Right, it, building up the trust, building up the standing of our profession, if you like, in the NHS so that it's recognised and, and earns a degree of respect that it's probably due, really. Um, so we have done that. We, we put in place agreements to share the data so that became possible. We've sorted out a lot of the background infrastructure. Uh, there's still lots to do and it's still not perfect. But we're able to do some of the things we were able to do during COVID, for example, because we'd moved all of primary care onto laptops or, you know, 98% of them onto laptops. So when they all had to go and work from home, they just all went and worked from home. Um, and it, it just creates, it just opens up opportunities for us to do more. If the basics are there, people trust us. What a message there, getting the basics right, isn't it? Fantastic. Yeah. And just thinking, sort of playing that a little bit further, we know there's um, a huge amount of uh, digital can offer the NHS to support what you class as kind of sustainable transformation across health and care. And also we see that we've also got, I suppose, significant workforce and skills challenges. And you can say it's quite a, a big gap for us to sort of try and close. With everything I'm thinking about that the uh, DDAT, the digital technology and data agenda is asking of us all, how, how are you and Dorset sort of meeting that workforce challenge? So, when I uh, joined again, I've been using the membership at the British Computer Society with my team at Siemens, and we were getting some good uh, traction at that, some good engagement from the teams to help them develop their careers. Uh, so I was keen to continue to do that here when when we were still the CCG. So uh, we, we signed up for organisational membership and started really offering skills development for people. We've gone through the Sophia Plus process to help everybody understand what their role is, um, what their role profile is, and also then what the next steps would be in their career journey so that we can invest in them with training 
to enable them to do the, their current role to the best of their ability, but prepare them for what the next role could be as well. And that's been, I hope, really beneficial for the team. It's something I'm keen for us to continue to do. I'd love to be able to roll it out across our entire system here for sort of around 500 members of uh, our profession in the county. Uh, I'm going to keep that as an ambition and, and hope to drive forward for that because giving good career opportunities for us uh, when I cannot compete on salary mm. or benefits. I mean, working in the NHS, yeah, you get free healthcare, but that's kind of the idea. So everybody gets that. Uh, you know, you can't give them private healthcare. I can't give them a car. I can't give them a bonus. All of these things that you get in the private sector. Uh, but we can make it an exciting place to work with lots of opportunity, with some varied projects that will impact society positively. Um, and we can give them training to make sure they're at the top of the game when it comes to having that training. Some people choose to leave. Lots stay. Some people leave thinking it's going to be better, realise it's not, come back. <laughs> but the fact they want to come back then I think is really powerful and is good. Uh, and we're we're all challenged with trying to attract people into our teams in the first place. But if we can stand ourselves out by being able to provide that sort of opportunity for of people when they start i think that's positive great yeah great message there isn't it? that professionalization agenda is so important and i think you know with the likes of bcs and with fed ip having that sort of roadmap because you know the i suppose the profession is, is changing in lots of different ways with new technology new ways of working and trying to navigate yourself even as an individual analyst or employee or developer where do you go and having that kind of let's make you the best you are today but show you where the possible roadmap could lead you. I think yeah. it's really, really a, a powerful message, isn't it? Oh. Well, thanks for sharing that. And just on, on that as well, because you know everything doesn't necessarily go swimmingly, as we, we all know, with, with data, technology, and transformation. What's been your sort of strategy for overcoming failure, Stephen? Uh, it's not to blame anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, if if blame does come our way as a result of something that has gone wrong, uh, then. You, you know, as a leader, you try to position yourself so you can defend the team and, and provide that air cover for it. Because you've got to take it as, as a learning opportunity. So yeah. if we do have failures or we do have things which don't go quite as planned, they might still scrape over the line in terms of being considered a success, but not in the way we wanted them to be. Um, you get people together. We have a, a, a an open conversation as you can. Uh, and we draw out from that the learning um, try to set the environment up better for the next time. If there are skills gaps or knowledge gaps, we try and fill them, whether that's by training up our staff or making sure we access somebody that's got the right skill in the future to make sure that we do it better next time, then we would contract somebody in to help us out with that if it's a particular, a particular challenging area. But yeah, learning from it, not blaming. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that. No, fantastic. And thanks for, for joining Feek. And just, just to recap on some of the really good points you made, you mentioned about, I think, Fika, there's something there for us all to look at across the NHS about having those breakouts for team building. You know, we need we need it more than ever. So there's something, you know, as a takeaway there, absolutely. And then I think, you, know, you coupled with that apprenticeship scheme is absolutely a key, I think, for us to start bringing new talent in and not worry about where people come from. You know, so there's a lot for us all to learn as well. And then I think, you know, that, that 
piece you mentioned around the innovation you did with with dice with the the insights piece that you're working through as well i, I like the idea that you know setting up those community interest groups because they power that but they also power your i suppose your future development which is really really key as well and then you mentioned about uh, the strategy which is always appealing to me as well not be too too ambitious but be sort of i suppose pragmatic and get the balance right but build trust is really important so anybody developing you know bi or informational data strategy to sort of consider those new messages and then i think you mentioned as well on the on the the ddat stuff about the professionalization agenda really really important there and giving people that roadmap uh, and then finally finishing off with the sort of learning piece about you know failure about it's a learning opportunity for all of us and uh, you know if more leaders sort of adapt to that approach i think it'd be fantastic and i just thought, finally think as well finally outside because you say you have a very obviously a very very busy job across the whole of that dorset patch well how do you relax outside of work soon <laughs> so uh, if i'm not taxiing children around to various different places and things they want to do um one <laughs> of the things i i do is i i volunteer with dorset search and rescue which is part of lowland rescue uh, which is a national organization um it's kind of big brother is mountain rescue but we have no oh. mountains in dorset but we have lots of lovely heathland and woodland and coastline and so on so i volunteer with them um we are called on by the police to go and help vulnerable high-risk missing people uh in the county when perhaps they might be at their lowest parts of their lives struggling with mental health uh issues or living with a certain medical condition that through the services we provide in in the nhs we we haven't been able to uh, support them enough um dorset search and rescue are there as an extension of the police to help find people as quickly as possible and return them to a place of safety and, and care um and it's great very rewarding um very rewarding work no, thanks for sharing. So, and we'll share the link for that as well. What's the link? Because I think you mentioned that it's um, was it Dorset Search and Rescue, isn't it? Is it Dorsar? Is it? It yeah. is. So Dorsar is the abbreviation. So we're dorsar.org.uk. Fantastic. And how can people find you if following on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter? Do you have a Twitter handle we can share with the audience? Yeah. So it's Stephen A. Slough on there, and I can quite easily be found on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Well, no, well, thanks. It's been a real great pleasure uh, inviting you to speak and, and sharing your your insights. But thank you very much. Hey, welcome. Thanks, John. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future.